1: Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up.
0: Start your
1: For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice, big, deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud. Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550 and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always. What a busy, busy weekend it's been for the racing world both uh, around the globe and here in western New York and southern Ontario. Just a jam-packed, gorgeous weekend. Lots of local racing. We've got NASCAR in Pocono. We had IndyCar in Texas last night. We've got Formula One in Montreal today. We've got IndyCar in Texas and... Just lots and lots going on. we got a jam-packed show here this morning for you as well. Uh, Phone line's open, and and now might be your best chance to get a call in because we are booked tight this morning, 803-0551, 888-550, excuse me, one 550 How long have I been doing the show? Uh, that's the toll-free number for you to join in here this morning. Also, we're on Twitter, too, at FastTrack 550 and Facebook.com slash WGR track. And uh, like I said, jam-packed show. Here's the rundown. Coming up at uh, quarter after, we're going to go out to Pocono, Pennsylvania, and we're going to talk to Winston Kelly from the Motor Racing Network and also from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, he'll be part of the broadcast of today's race from Pocono that you hear right here on WGR, the Pocono 400. We'll have live coverage courtesy of the Motor Racing Network coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Green flag just after 3 o'clock. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we are a couple of weeks out now from the Salem Six Hours at the Glen for the uh, ISMA uh, Sports Car Championship and one of the drivers that is uh, currently in the prototype division for the ISMA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Renger Vanderzand is going to join us at the bottom of the hour and uh, we'll have a chance to talk to him. He currently drives for the uh, Visit Florida racing team in the prototype division. He's also the reigning uh, champion, uh driver champion in the prototype challenge division, and he's won at Watkins Glen the last two years in the prototype challenge division. So we will uh, go a- across the pond, I believe, to talk to Ranger, uh coming up at the bottom of the hour. Final segment with the local racing roundup, and we'll squeeze in a chalk talk with Matt Williamson, who runs at the Merrittville Speedway on Saturday nights, also runs down at the Lernerville Speedway on Fridays. Matt's having a fantastic 2017 between Lernerville and Merrittville. Matt's already got seven wins to his credit in the 2017 campaign. So we'll talk to Matt Williamson at the uh, end of the program here this morning here on WGR Sports Radio 550. But uh, today's race coming up at Pocono, Kyle Busch is on the pole. Kyle still searching for that first points win of the season to go along with that All-Star victory he got a couple of weeks ago. He will lead the field to green alongside Martin Truex, who is uh, having another stellar season once again. Truex will be on the outside of that front row. Row two, it'll be Matt Kenseth and Ryan Blaney. Row three, Kurt Busch and Brad Keselowski. Row 4 it'll be Kyle Larson and Jamie McMurray. Uh, rounding out the top ten, Joey Logano and Ryan Newman. Some other notable names, uh, surprise qualifying ever for Michael McDowell starts 11th today alongside Kevin Harvick in row 12. Uh, Daniel Suarez starts 14th. Daryl... Wallace Jr., a.k.a. Bubba Wallace, he is going to start 16th today. He is driving the uh, Richard Petty Motorsports entry, uh, as of course Eric Almirola is still out with that injury, suffered earlier this year. Uh, Regan Smith had been driving the car for the last couple of weeks, but today Bubba Wallace makes his Cup Series debut, and he becomes the first driver in at least a decade a first African American driver in at least a decade to run a cup series race it's been since uh, Bill Lester in the uh, the mid uh, early 2000s since uh, uh, an African American driver has made a start in the cup series bub of course been running in the truck series where he's got uh, four wins to his credit and also in the Xfinity series but it was announced this week he is going to Richard Petty Motorsports to fill in for Regan or excuse me for Eric Almarola uh, kind of a good news bad news thing though for bubba unfortunately he found out He's driving the 43, but he also found out this week that Roush Fenway Racing, unfortunately after yesterday's race at Pocono, has to suspend his Xfinity Series team, the sixth car in the Xfinity Series, uh, due to lack of funds. They've been struggling to find sponsorship for uh, their Xfinity program there at Roush. So, so like I said, good news, bad news for Bubba. He's going to the Cup Series, but when that chances up whenever that is with Richard Petty Motorsports he may find himself without a ride altogether unfortunately that's a tough break as he's a very talented young man and also a uh, a very uh, uh, just a a fun guy uh, tons of fun on social media a great personality he did a sports center hit this morning um just a great, great individual, great personality for the sport. And uh, hopefully this chance driving Richard, Richard Petty Motorsports leads to some uh, bigger things for Bubba going forward uh, for the rest of this year and into uh, 2018. Uh, elsewhere in the starting grid, Denny Hamblin will start 18th. Jimmy Johnson, fresh off his uh, 11th career win at Dover last week. Uh, starts 19th alongside Clint Boyer back in row 10. Uh, Chase Elliott's back in 25th. Dale Arnold Jr. qualified 28th, but he will have to go to the rear of the field. Uh, he made an engine change earlier this weekend, so I believe Dale Jr. will be dropping uh, to the rear for today's race. Uh, c- uh, coming out of Dover last week, uh, Jimmy Johnson got the win. You know, it looked like that. It looked like Kyle Larson was going to kind of cruise to the wind there. And then that late caution for uh, one of the the front row cars, front row motorsports cars, tagged the wall, of course. And, uh, you know, that set up a caution and a green white checker. And then we, you know, the, the overtime. And then they had that big wreck. And they had the leaders had already crossed that overtime line. So the race was declared, you know, official once the caution came out there. That ended the race. And that got, you know, everybody all worked up because of, you know, they weren't allowed to race back to the line or get another shot at overtime. But they were, you know, NASCAR was just following the rules set forth with the, the overtime line and that policy that's been in effect. And, you know, some drivers were upset about it because they didn't get a a chance to go for the win. And fans, of course, were upset because Jimmy Johnson won again. And, you know, there is that, that whole thing about it. But it just, um, it just drives me nuts, to be honest. I mean, we get we've had so much change in the sport. I mean, with that's that's almost an understatement, I guess. You know, just look at everything that has happened in the last ten, twelve years in NASCAR and the Cup Series, and all the changes we've gone. To, we've uh, they eliminated you know racing back to the yellow flag. They uh, double file restarts. Lucky dogs. Uh, overtime, the playoffs, the chase—you know everything that it, that has happened in the last ten, fifteen, let's say fifteen years, at the most maybe—that uh, some of those yellow flag rules. Anyway, um, all has come from the complaints or suggestions uh, of either the fans or the drivers, and it—you you know NASCAR has, has taken this new policy in the 21st century of, of listening to both of those groups almost to a fault. It seems, you know, back. In the the Bill France era, uh, the, it was the the Bill France way or the highway, and there there wasn't you know there was a, that was the only one way. Whatever he said or whatever NASCAR said went. That was the rule. That was the law of the land, and there was no arguing it or, or trying to get it changed. They they set the rule book, and that's how they ruled, uh, till till Brian France took over. And I'm not laying the blame at the feet of Brian France. Believe me, I know so many people dump on him and. and Yes, yeah, some of the stuff is he's done is questionable, but I'm not saying this is all Brian Francis' fault. Fault, um, you know, he and Mike Helton and Steve O'Donnell and the folks at NASCAR, um, they they listen so much now to the the drivers. They have that drivers' council, you know, the, with with Dale Jr. and Brad Keselowski and all the drivers. They have the fan council and those surveys that they take, and they just, you know, anytime. There's enough steam behind a movement to make a change. It seems like NASCAR is almost too quick to react and make these changes, uh, just because there's enough outcry from either one of those groups, whether it be the drivers or the fans, and it's it's just starting to get ridiculous. You know, the drivers were the ones that pushed for that that overtime line rule that they put in, and you know it it, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a, a great rule. I wish they'd give them at least a, a couple more chances at overtime. Um, heck, they could get unlimited overtime chances for all I care. You know, maybe it's not so smart at the plate tracks, but at some of the smaller tracks, that that you can you can get barely half a lap in, and then you're kind of locked into the finish there, and that's what happened last week at Dover. But the drivers complained after the race about about that. I mean, but that's what you guys wanted, so so make up your minds. And it is it has just been it's it's just getting ridiculous uh, that the, there's just this. Back and forth, but either again from the fans of the drivers that when something happens that they don't like and then there's this, this massive outcry, it, you know, NASCAR almost has to react each and every time. Luckily, there wasn't any, uh, no, no change of the overtime rule this week and we don't know if any, anyone is going to happen. Um, maybe NASCAR review it. I have no idea. Um, but just this continual, uh, Having to change things because either one of those groups aren't happy, or also, I guess there's a third group that you could take a look at, which maybe has the most clout over NASCAR, and that's the TV networks. When they want stuff changed, that also happens too. Um, you could probably throw them into the mix, but they don't need to complain about it on social media. They just go, they just go to the offices in Daytona and say, "Look, this is how we want things. You, we paid all this money for your product, so you're gonna you're gonna give us a, a product that we can put on television." Uh, <laughs> But it, it, it was, it's just, you know, been, uh, it's just getting ridiculous for me. It seems like after any time something like this happens. And then also you had this week too, the, the penalties for the, uh, the, the loose tires this week, uh, most notably Kyle Bush, uh, the, you know, Kyle took off and off of pit road last week at Dover and the, the left rear tire came off the 18 car because the, the, uh, the the tire changer had problems with the air gun and and couldn't didn't get any of the lugs tightened and he rolled away and that tire came off and that immediately instituted a four-race suspension for Kyle's crew chief and the tire changer plus fines and that goes back to that lug nut rule that they changed and again that was at the uh you know at the request of, of people like Tony Stewart to tighten up the rules on the lug nuts once they had that change that goes back to you know when they reduced the number of officials on pit road you know nascar said you know we won't penalize you for loose lug nuts and then you had people like tony stewart saying that that was a big safety issue which is understandable but then so they had to come up with these rules uh to try and keep teams from not tightening all the lugs on pit road uh including they had the most severe penalty if you lose a tire that you had this four-way suspension that automatically kicked in for the crew chief and uh of course that rule doesn't take into a that rule the way that rule is set up it's it's Trying to keep teams from, from trying to have faster pit stops by putting fewer lug nuts, tightening fewer lug nuts on the tires, which is fine. I get the point of that rule, but the unintended consequence of that rule is, is when you have an accident like we had a couple of times last weekend at Dover, especially the 18 car, when there's a, either a mechanical malfunction of an air gun or a, just a, a mistake by a pit crew member where it's not intentional. They didn't mean to not tighten any lug nuts, but the wheel came off. That penalty kicks in. So. But luckily, NASCAR did the right thing and still handed down the penalty because you can't bring, you know, intent into the into the the ruling of these laws. It's a rule of put when they when they put these rules in effect. You can't take intent. You know, what were they thinking when they were doing it? You know, that's the rule. I mean, it's it's it'd be like in hockey. It's like, oh, he didn't mean to cross check him. So he doesn't have to serve the two minutes. This, This would be, I guess, a similar thing. So luckily, NASCAR did the right thing and said, nope. Uh, the wheel came off, so four-race suspension for, for Kyle Bush's crew chief and the tire changer. And uh, I don't believe JGR is even going to try and appeal the penalty. I, I thought maybe that would be a way that they might be able to get it reduced through an appellate board. But uh, JGR is going to let it go, so Kyle will be without uh, his crew chief for the next four races because of that. So uh, it's just uh, – unfortunately, we – you know you have you know pretty good races like we had last week in Dover and uh, we spend all week though talking about other stuff that happens and it's kind of disappointing cuz i thought last week was a good race uh, i loved the the tire the the teams had fewer sets of tires that made for some great strategy and i thought that added a lot of intrigue to uh, last week's race at Dover uh, let's shift our focus to today's race, though, and let's go to the AT and T Hotline and bring in one of the voices you'll hear on today's broadcast of the Pocono 400, right here on WGR from the Motor Racing Network, veteran pit reporter and the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Winston Kelly, is on the line. Winston, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you.
2: Ah, uh, good to talk to you guys too. Beautiful day here. It's going to uh, be maybe even into the nineties, but it's a beautiful day and should have a great day for racing
1: yeah that might be the best news for uh brandon digdalski and the folks there at pocono winston we don't have to race on monday for once
2: yeah last year they just really took it uh, on the short end of the stick they had uh, rain both nascar races and the IndyCar car race and they've done such a good job here at pocono and one of the things that's so good about this racetrack since the repave a couple of years ago some tracks it takes a couple of two or three years for that extra groove to come in. This track, as soon as they repave it, it actually enhanced the racing immediately now they're, we're at 400 laps. I think that's an even better race. And you add the stage racing this weekend, I think we're going to have a fantastic race on the racetrack but also a lot of strategy we're expecting on pit road.
1: That, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, Winston. I was listening to part of your broadcast yesterday of the Xfinity Series race and these stages made for some interesting pit road strategy. A uh, lot of guys coming in right before pit road would close with the before those last two laps of the stage race. Uh, I'm assuming many of those cup tr- crew chiefs. We're taking notes yesterday during all of that.
2: I think so. And one of the other things that you see here at Pocono on the cup side is they run it a lot like a road course, running it backwards, so to speak, uh, like at Watkins Glen. So if you look at that first stage being at lap number 50, the fuel window is around 35 or 36 laps. So expect some guys to come in at lap 14 or 15 to be the first one on pit road. Now, they've got to be within about 11 or 12 seconds of the leader to not lose a lap. But if they're in that position, expect a lot of guys to come in early to then race for the stage. One of the things yesterday with the stages is at 25, 50. Uh, and then the end of the race, they could go uh, virtually the full stage except for the last one on fuel. Can't do that today uh, in the Monster Energy Series. So expect some guys to come in in that first stage, about lap 14 or 15. Then the second stage, you might see the same thing, coming in around lap 65 to go to, to the next stage.
1: Winston, uh, a lot like last week, a, a lot of Toyotas at the front of the field. Here, uh, we thought Toyotas might get a get a win last week. That wasn't meant to be with Kyle Larson and Jimmy Johnson's performance. Uh, how about the folks at Toyota, especially Joe Gibbs Racing? Uh, what do you think of their chances today of maybe getting a first win, a points win this season with uh, Kyle starting first and, and Matt Kenseth up there starting third today?
2: I think you certainly can't count them out. And they've got to be some of the favorites, but you definitely, even though Jimmy Johnson starting back in nineteenth. 19- Expect him to be good. I think Joey Logano uh, will be good. Kyle Larson has been good everywhere, as will Brad Keselowski. Kirk Bush runs well here. So, you know, I think it's a literal toss up. Do I think the Toyotas, especially those first three guys and Kyle, Martin Truex Jr., changed an engine yesterday? So he'll actually be starting at the back of the pack, even though he qualified second. Matt Kenseth up there toward the front of the field by starting third. I think they definitely have a, have a strong chance. But I don't think anything is a lock. You know, I don't think anybody would have expected Jimmy Johnson to start last at Dover. Even with all his wins, he clearly did not have the best car last weekend. But circumstances worked his favor. Great restart at the end. And that's what makes these NASCAR races, and especially this Monster Energy, so exciting this year.
1: Winston, what do you make of uh, Penske Racing right now? They seem to be be struggling a bit. Uh, You know, they they had Joey Logano had his setback with the encumbered win. Uh, You know, he's still, uh, right now, you know, he'd be in contention for the playoffs based on points. But they're uh, they're experiencing a little bit of frustration right now, especially with the 22 team.
2: That's a real head-scratcher. A lot of folks have speculated that uh, whatever caused that encumbered win at the rear end of the car, that that was something they had found that was right on that borderline, uh, of being legal or in the gray area of the of uh, the rule book, but you got Ryan Blaney continuing to run extremely well. You know he's basically got a Team Penske car that the Wood Brothers are putting together, so they've been running very well. So I think they've just got a stretch of races here that uh, I believe Todd Gordon and Joey are going to bounce back. Qualifying night, a track that they've run well on in the past, so it has been kind of one of those races. One of those periods for about three races. They haven't run that good, but I look for them to bounce back very strong.
1: Winston Kelly from the Motor Racing Network joining us here on WGR. They will have live coverage of today's Pocono 400 here in WGR starting at two o'clock this afternoon. Uh, Winston, we've got a uh, driver making his, his Cup Series debut today with a new team. Of course, Bubba Wallace driving for Richard Petty Motorsports. Uh, there's a lot of uh, importance with his start today. Obviously, uh, have you had a chance to talk to Bubba this weekend at all? And and, how, and what do you th- how you think he's going to fare here in his first Cup start driving for the King?
2: Yeah, I think he's going to do well. I talked to him Thursday. He was at the NASCAR Hall of Fame doing a media shoot there. So I had a few minutes to congratulate him, and and we had a good joke. I said, hey, man, either go big or go home. (laughs) He said, yeah, Uh, jumping in the deep end with no floaties right off the bat. (laughs) Arguably the most iconic car uh, that's ever been on NASCAR's circuit. And then I talked to him a little bit yesterday. I I saw where Jimmy Johnson was one of those that texted him, uh, and I said, I asked him before we did an interview about the Xfinity race. I said, I don't guess you texted him back and told him that uh, he might want some tips from you since you outqualified out qualified. He said, nah, <laughs> not quite that bold yet. So we had a good laugh about that, and he was really excited about the Xfinity race. I believe he finished 11th yesterday. So, uh, you know, he, he, he's trying to downplay that it is such a big leap, but I think he understands it. The other thing I talked to him about, I said, Bubba, I said, understand, this is a big deal. Uh, You know, when he won his first race in the truck series, I did the Victory Lane interview and talked to him afterwards and told him we wanted something for the NASCAR Hall of Fame to go in it for what we call our memorable moments exhibit. Mm -hmm. We'll go on display next year. And I said, you know, we'd like the same thing. This is a big deal. First time since 2006 that an African-American has started in NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series race that we would like something. He gets that but I understand and respect the fact that he wants to be known as a NASCAR Cup Series driver that happens to be African-American, not an African-American NASCAR Cup Series driver. He respects the history of the car he's in. He also respects the history of Wendell Scott and what Wendell did. And if he can carry that forward, pick that mantle up, and carry it uh, into the 21st century, I think he he would like to do that. But he also has enough humility to realize He's got to perform on the racetrack. So I think a top 20 finish would be great for him, uh, how that, that car has been running, his first time out, a great qualifying run, and a lot of people, myself included, pulling for him to just have some solid finishes to show that he can compete at this level.
1: Winston, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit more about the NASCAR Hall of Fame since you're the executive director. Uh, what did you think about the new class that was recently voted with uh, Red Byron, Ray Evernham, Ron Hornaday, Ken Squire, and Robert Yates when they're going to be enshrined next year? Uh, what, How did you think about how the voting turned out this year?
2: Well, I have liked every single class, whether I have voted personally for all five or not. And I don't mind saying, I'm not going to say who I did didn't vote for, but I voted for three of the five. But there is never a bad combination the thing that i like so much about this class is it reiterates the fact we're a nascar hall of fame mm. we're not a nascar sprint cup series driver or excuse me nascar monster energy <laughs> cup series driver and if you look at it we don't have but one driver that was a what they got in for was driving in what is now the monster energy series mm. and that's red byron who just drove in 1949, essentially. And so when you look at you've got an owner engine builder in Robert Yates. You've got somebody who made their name as a championship crew chief who also became an owner. You've got our first Camping World Truck Series competitor and our first broadcaster in the Hall of Fame. Now, Ken Squire, along with Barney Hall, of course, the Squire Hall Award named after him, but our first broadcaster. So this is arguably our most diverse class in terms of the type of people that are represented in the Hall of Fame. So that's the one thing that I like so much is it helps reinforce the fact we're a NASCAR Hall of Fame, not a Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Hall of Fame. So all very worthy of going in, uh, really excited about it. And the other thing that, that I enjoy so much is, Watching the families as people are selected mm-hmm. and watching the, the camaraderie that either exists or develops in the class. And we had that with some of the Q&A sessions we had with Ron Hornaday picking back and forth with Ken Squire. And the fact that Robert Yates, a lot of his friends did a fantastic celebration on Friday after the vote, but it was already scheduled. It was scheduled uh, with a lot of folks who had worked with Robert Yates Racing. There were about 250 or 300 people there. The event went till almost 1030. Not a single person got up and left during the session and, and for it to turn into a celebration of him going into the Hall of Fame along with his great career uh, and, and some of the health issues he's been dealing with, that one was very special.
1: And, uh, of course, uh, we here in Western New York, we have a nice little tie-in with the Hall of Fame, of course, uh, with one of the short track operators that's on the voting panel, Ron Bennett from Holland Speedway. He, he, he's a voter for, uh, for the Hall of Fame class, so it's a nice tie to the folks here in Western New York.
2: Yeah, well, there's a whole lot of folks that have come uh, into NASCAR whether it's people who raced up there, predominantly up there, and you know, a Richie Evans and a Jerry Cook yep. or guys like Ken Squire from that area. But you look at so many people who migrated down to NASCAR, whether they're in the Hall of Fame or not, from that northeastern area that have made such a strong contribution to NASCAR. So uh, definitely a lot of great fans up there, a lot of great racing up in the northeast that uh, that uh, permeate their way into different forms. You know, a lot of guys – You know, like a Mike McLaughlin from that area who became predominant of what's now an Xfinity driver after a lot of success that uh, Magic Shoes had uh, in the modified division. So, you know, you could just go on down the list of Bodine brothers and many folks like that. So, uh, you know, i said for so long, while this has been portrayed as a southeastern sport, it's not been a southeastern sport. Right. Even back in the 60s when they raced the Northern Tour and went to Maine and Trenton, New Jersey, and Ohio and places like that, it was an East Coast sport for a long time, east of the Mississippi River, and, and now is spread all throughout the United way, uh, United States. And uh, the Northeast area has always been such a strong hotbed for racing, even back into the 50s and 60s.
1: Winston Kelly from the Motor Racing Network of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Winston, will be listening today here on WGR. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your, your passion in talking about the NASCAR Hall of Fame. We really appreciate it. Have a good call today on Pitt Road. Thanks a lot.
2: Appreciate you having us on and appreciate uh, your support and everybody up in the Buffalo area of NASCAR
1: racing. All right. Winston Kelly, thank you very much. And he'll be working pit road today on today's broadcast of the, the Pocono 400. Just listen to him talk. He, again, the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and loved just hearing his passion talking about the hall itself and the process and everything. That was really great. Uh, we come back. Uh, we'll, we'll go worldwide, I guess you could say. Uh, Ranger Vanderzan from the IMSA, uh, sports car championship will join us next here on Fast Track on WGR. This is Kyle Bush, driving the number 18 M&M's Toyota. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550, 11:32 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track uh, breaking sports news. I guess here we should squeeze in. Rafael Nadal uh, picked up the win in the French Open, the uh, one of the tennis Grand Slams. That that extends my my knowledge of tennis right there. So I, I won't uh, I won't expound any further. He did in straight sets for uh, what it's worth. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. At least yep. at least one of us knows what we're talking about here this morning. Uh, the IndyCar Series, they've been busy since uh, the Indianapolis 500. They had the double last week at Belle Isle in Detroit. And Graham Rahal, who we sat down and spoke with before the Indy 500, swept both races last weekend at uh, Belle Isle in Detroit. And then last night, they were at the Texas Motor Speedway. And Will Power picked up his first win of the season for Penske Racing uh, over Tony Kanaan, Simon Pagino. Graham, another strong run for him, finishing fourth. Gabby Chavez. Uh, started 20th, wound up 5th. Uh, Marco Andretti, Connor Daly, Max Chilton, Scott Dixon, Takuma Sato rounding out the top 10. There was a major, uh, very scary accident late in that race involving uh, James Hinchcliffe, uh, Mikhail Lotion, and a couple other drivers. Uh, we, you get those Indy cars on those mile-and-a-half tracks with the speed that they run in those tight packs. There is very little uh, margin of error, and uh, you get can get some uh, very... S- Scary wrecks, and there was a real bad one last night. Luckily, uh, from all reports I've seen, that uh, everybody um, was okay. F- uh, every, uh, no major injuries to report from that wreck uh, last night um, at uh, Texas. Uh, Scott Dixon still leads the points over Simon Pagino by 13. Takuma Sato is third after his Indy 500 win. Castro Neves will power, and Graham Rahal is now sixth in the point standings. So uh, he's trying to cr- close up the ground there and, and make a run here. He's, a, he's a, on a good streak right now with uh, three straight top fives, including those two wins at Detroit um, for he and his Rahal Letterman-Lanigan racing team. They're looking at adding a second fu- a full-time teammate next year for Graham. Uh, of course, he had Oriol Servia um, uh, alongside uh, for him at the Indianapolis 500, but that's not a full-time operation. So they... Uh, are, uh, close though to maybe having a second full time team there for Ray Hall, Letamit, Lanigan racing next season. Uh, Formula One is north of the border this week. They're in Montreal for the Canadian Grand Prix. This is, that's coming up at two o'clock this afternoon. Lewis Hamilton on the pole for Mercedes, and no surprise, he will be alongside Sebastian Vettel for Ferrari, the top two drivers, of course. Uh, they'll go side by side, start the race. Uh, then it's Mercedes Ferrari again in row two with Valtteri Bottas and Kimi Raikkonen. Then it's the Red Bull cars in row three, Max Verstappen, Daniel Ricardo, Felipe Mas- the seventh. Uh, Sergio Perez and Esteban O'Connor for Force India and Nico Hulkenberg uh, round out the top 10 starters uh, for uh, F1 today. Again, that's up in Montreal. That'll be uh, on uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon if you want to catch that before the cup race starts today. Uh, NHRA, they're on a busy streak too. They're in New Jersey this weekend uh, at Englishtown, New Jersey for the Summer Nationals. Uh, a good weekend for the ladies last weekend in NHRA at Epping, New Hampshire, as uh, Erica Enders uh, picked up the win in Pro Stock, and Brittany Force got the win in Funny Car. Uh, Her sister Ashley uh, almost uh, made it a a female sweep in top field, but she came up short, but uh, did qualify number 1 this weekend. But uh, the NHRA season rolls on. They're on a Busy stretch. They run every week the weekend this uh, in June here. They were at Epping last weekend, English Town today. Then they go to Bristol next weekend, and then they're in Norwalk, Ohio, which isn't far from here, uh, to close out the month of June. Then they get a weekend off, and then they they uh, they head to Chicago. So this is a very busy stretch uh, for the NHRA schedule right now, with uh, you know five events in just a span of six weeks. Uh, really, uh, the meaty part of their schedule right now for the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series. It's so Dan Fletcher, unfortunately, still stuck on 99 career national event wins. We, we keep up to date on that, but, uh, Dan, uh, ever since at the end of last season at, at Pomona getting the win, uh, for, no, for number 99 of his career, uh, the driver out of Churchville, New York still cannot, uh, get that 100th, uh, career national event win. Uh, hopefully, uh, he'll be able to get that, uh, very soon. 803 550 550 we are waiting to hear on uh, reg ringer Vanderzan uh coming up here in just a moment uh from the Izma Sports Car Championship but uh phone lines open while we wait for him uh of course uh, Jimmy Johnson picked up the win last week in Detroit now he has a uh, win number 3 on the year that leads uh All the uh, Cup Series drivers in race wins. You've got uh, him with uh, three, Truex with two, and also Keselowski with two, and then everybody else that has won a race just single wins. And uh, interesting stat this week, and I I happen to notice that, notice it, and then actually uh, Mike Ford from from NASCAR on Twitter happened to to tweet about it too. But you look at uh, just uh, the standings just based on average finish so far this year. And uh, Martin Truex, Kyle Larson, were first and second in points. Uh, they are first and second when it comes to average race finish this year, and they're both. It's like nine point two or nine point five for each of them, I believe. But the driver with the third best average race finish this year is actually Jamie McMurray of uh, of Ganassi Racing, uh, who is is having fifth in points, and I maybe a little overshadowed this year by his teammate Kyle Larson. But, uh, you know, McMurray is having a really strong year, running in fifth right now. No wins, of course. He has actually, unbelievably, Jamie has zero stage wins, zero playoff points. He is just doing it based on, on consistent finishes running near the front half of the field, but, you know, hasn't been, you know, locking up those... Hasn't got any stage win, hasn't got any you know overall wins, playoff points, none of that. He's got goose eggs and all those columns in the standings, but is being just consistent enough right now that he is you know in fifth in the standings and, and right now safely uh, in a playoff position. As uh, you know, we work through the season this year. Uh, you know, we're about you know halfway through the regular season, so still you know this long summer stretch to go for Jamie, but he is off to a good start, just like Kyle Larson is, and, and the folks at Ganassi Racing, you know, have really seemed to uh, to hit on something. You know, last week we talked about with uh, with Casey Kane and the five car. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week when we talked to uh, Nick Bromberg from Yahoo Sports. Uh, his future might be uh, in, in jeopardy. Uh, with Hendrick Motorsports going forward, you know the, they're going to be down two sponsors, and uh, Casey's got one year left in his contract. He, will Will Hendrick buy him out? And uh, you know the Rick Hendrick right now is going to make some big decisions. He'll have to, he's definitely got to fill one seat in the 88, of course, with, with Junior retiring. But does he choose to buy out? uh Hendrick, or excuse me, buyout Kane and, and has two seats to fill. Or there's also talk that you know he could just contract down to three teams. You know Hendrick was one of the the you know, after Roush, it was you know Hendrick was the next to to go to that four car operation, and we've seen you know Roush contract down to two teams. And, uh, now they've contracted one of their, you know, they've, they've contracted down one of their Xfinity teams as well, too. But, uh, you know, that is a possibility that Hendrick Motorsports goes from four to three teams next year just because they've got so many sponsorship holes to fill right now in that organization that they just might cut their losses and save them from having to fill sponsor slots on two cars and maybe just down to one to try and get, get their sponsor inventory filled. And, uh, then they would only have to hire one driver. So that's a lot of, a lot of one of the things to keep an eye on going forward this season. And there could be a lot of seats opening up. We could see some major, uh, you know, uh, musical chairs here in the cup series with. Uh, you know, the 88 seat is open, obviously. What's going to happen with the five? What's going to happen, you know, with, with Danica in the 10? Uh, there, you know, there could be a lot of moving parts here in the Cup Series going forward as we progress through the season, looking ahead to 2018. Let's go to the AT&T hotline, though, and bring in from the, uh, IMS, uh, IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship driver for the Visit of Florida racing team in the prototype division. Ranger Vanderzan joins us on the line. Ranger, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Uh, good morning. Great to talk to you.
0: Hey, good morning. Well, it's evening over here. I'm li- I'm living in Amsterdam, so uh, almost uh, six o'clock and uh, dinner time. But uh, nice be on the show.
1: <laughs> well, we appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk to us, and of course, uh, we're getting ready for the Salem Six Hours at the Glen uh, coming up in a few weeks here at Watkins Glen International, which is uh, you know about two hours away from us here in Buffalo, two two and a half hours. And uh, you you've got to love this racetrack. You've been very successful there uh, with uh, two straight wins in the Prototype challenges there at at, at Watkins Glen.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I love the track. It's uh, it's a very nice atmosphere. The the track is a lot of uh, has has seen a lot of legends and a lot of legends have seen the the track. So it's um, you can feel that you can feel the atmosphere. It's a racing atmosphere there, and uh, I love to come there. You can make a difference as a driver because of the high speed cornering, and uh, coming there is always a uh, always a pleasure. Uh, anyway, flying into New York for for a European space uh, is always is always special, and then uh, straight to the racetrack to do some proper racing.
1: Of course, uh, with winning the last two years, that means you won on the old surface and then you won on the, the resurface road course uh, there at Watkins Glen. Uh, how big of a change was it when you went back last season and they had the new pavement put down there?
0: It was huge. I mean, the the, the old track, I loved it with the old tarmac because I think it was, um, uh, in, 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 in a way, it was very challenging, especially in the wet where you had all the different patches and all the different grip levels. Uh, from left to right. And, um, we had a rain race there two years ago, I think it was, with the, even with a red flag because it rained too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I loved it out there. I was the only one, um, that, well, I don't want to brag here, but it, <laughs> it was, it was a good show for me because it's, uh, I went, um, I went to the front and I, I drove away very nicely because I found a way of finding the grip on, uh, on certain points where the others didn't seem to find it. And, uh, so I love the old track. And, uh, I think with the new track, especially in the, in the dry, it's become so fast and so grippy that uh and, and so smooth as well at the same time it's uh it's a perfect track for testing and i think also for the races you know the you will see the lap times um improving uh um, from last year already and i think this year again with some new updates and cars um that has been uh, faster so at the end uh, the tarmac i think it's a great uh, great way to make the surface smooth and 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 as a proper track on the other hand i love the the love the old Cool racetracks that we have in the U.S., and um, I think the format is still the same, and the tarmac is uh, from uh, from modern uh, quality right now, so it's it's a good change forward.
1: Uh, of course, last year you won the drivers championship in the prototype challenge division, and that has allowed you to move up this year, uh, driving in the prototypes, which is the, uh, I guess you could say, like the elite division in IMSA. And uh, you're part of the visit of Florida racing team here in 2017. Uh, how is your season uh, gotten off to a start here, and how how has the change been moving to the prototype cars?
0: For me, it's a real um, real step up. The prototype challenge where I was uh, yeah driving for four years in the U.S. was very nice and the competition was very high. But I would say four or five cars could win and uh, and, and and drive. So I think with the new new challenge for me, being in the highest class is always good. It's always the best uh, um, uh, coverage that you get on the TV, on the, on the media and so on. So for that part, it's very good. I think from the driving-wise, it's a step up on the car. The car has a lot more downforce, a lot more grip, a lot more power a uh, lot more technique to to work on so to 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 find the right balance and setup with your team together you have a lot of variables that you can work with and i think that's the the biggest change or the biggest um, uh uh upskill for me uh that makes it very interesting and uh, and then on the other hand you know it's uh, it's nice to win for overall victories because um at the end that's what you want to do you want to fight for that victory uh with the biggest trophy in the in the in the weekend and that's that's what we are doing. We we struggled a little bit until now with uh Visit Florida. We um the Riley that we are driving uh, with we're the only Riley in the field mm-hmm. um is an ACO spec Le Mans spec car and uh we can't make any changes because of hum- the homologations. Um but we're just too slow um honestly. We're too slow with the car and uh we're working flat out with it and uh our engineer together with Troy Troy is the team owner, and Rick is the engineer. They they've been pushing very, very hard together with the mechanics to make the best out of what we have. But we know that our package is just not strong enough at the moment. So we had a third place finish in Daytona, which was fantastic. Mm. And Daytona 24-hour, and then being on the podium with a with a brand new car. And by then, the, the car only ran 12 laps in a row. And we went into a 24-hour race, and we finished third. So that was something fantastic. Um, and after that, our luck ran. We used up all our luck in that turn. <laughs> it looks like, <laughs> because um, in Long Beach we uh, we had brakes that didn't work in free practice one, and I had a massive shunt into turn one without brakes uh, with 200 kilometers per hour into the wall. Ooh. Um, and also, uh, last uh, last race weekend we had in Detroit, I was steering in on a, on a good position. Actually, we we were competitive at that point. Um, to drive with the others and fight for uh, fight for position, but um, there was a Mercedes who lost his brakes um, into turn three, and the yeah he brake on me basically, so he <laughs> took me out into the wall, and that, that was it. So that's a bit of a shame, and I think performance-wise we can still improve. We're getting some updates for Watkins Glen, so um, I'm really looking forward to get the new pieces and bits uh, on the car. It's on the aerodynamic side and also some some uh, on the geometry side that we get some updates on. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to get them on the car and try them uh, on uh, on you guys' track.
1: Well, Ranger, hopefully uh, the new equipment works out, and hopefully your luck turns around and you have a good run at the Salem six hours at the Glen coming up, Watkins Glen. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate talking to you, and best of luck this se- uh, the rest of the season on the IMSA sport- Sports Car Championship.
0: Thanks a lot, and uh, great to be on the show. And yeah, hope to talk to you soon, guys, uh, when we have a trophy in our hands in the at the, at the Glen.
1: <laughs> Very good. Take care. All right. Uh, bye bye. Yep. Ranger Vanderzan from the Imsa Sports Car Championship. Again, they'll be at the Watkins Glen International coming up at the end of the month for the Salem Six Hours. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show with the local racing roundup. We'll whip through that and we'll squeeze in a chat with Matt Williamson when we get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey race fans, it's Dave Buchanan from my friends at Batavia Downs. you got to discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination because they've got over 800 of the hottest in-demand video gaming machines. They've got tons of great new titles and they're adding new ones all the time. And not only do you have the video gaming machines at Batavia Downs, of course you can go there, watch the live harness racing and wager on that. And you can even now stay a night at their hotel there at Batavia Downs too. It's a great facility they have there at Batavia Downs Gaming. And uh, my favorite part, of course, 34 Rush Thurman Thomas' Sports Bar right inside Batavia Downs. Go in, grab a bite to eat, get a beverage, sit there and check out all the HD TVs. You can watch all the sports, baseball, horse racing, of course, While uh, from around the country. You can watch there right inside 34 Rush and place your bets Uh All the great sports they have there on TV. They've got the big 15-foot projection screen. Uh, Tons of fun there at 34 Rush. Batavia Downs Gaming is open every day from 8 a.m. until 4 a.m. They're right off the three-way exit 48. You can't miss it. And for more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on all their promotions. And discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. And tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track. And I'll start with the Friday night action at Lancaster National Dragway. Mike Swinarski sweeping both top eight and top ET. Mike Zamuda getting the win in the Supercharged Bounty Hunters. Clay Rickinson in mod ET. Mike Peters, what a start to the season he's having in bikes and sleds. He's made the final round all four weeks so far, and he's got three wins already. Uh, Meg Grishevitz getting the win in Street E.T. and Reed Ricketson getting the win in the special Mopar class they had their Friday night at Lancaster. Coming up this Saturday night at Lancaster, they've got their Sportsman SummerSlam 75 uh, this Saturday night. Ranceville Speedway twin modified features. The makeup feature from May 12th went to Ryan Soucy over Tyler Willard and Jeff McGinnis. And then in the nightcap, Eric Rudolph got the win over Gary Lindbergh and Jeff McGinnis. Dave DePietro got his first career sportsman win, Showtime. Jaron Israel in the Street Stocks, Cam Tuttle in the Novice Sportsman, Chad Desso got the four-banger victory. Little Valley Speedway on Friday night. Speaking of sweeps, Max Blair did it at Little Valley. He won in both the Super Late Models and the Crate Late Models. Dave Scott got the win in the E-Modifieds, and Vic Vina got the win in the Pro Mods. Freedom Motorsports Park. Shane Pierce got his second win in a row in the mod- Outlaw Modifieds. Mickey Siliberto got the win in the Sprints, the Micro Sprints. Brad Rouse, another win in the Sportsman. Dennis Cummings in the Street Stocks. And Matt Mowry got the win in the Mini uh, stocks there Friday night at Freedom. Saturday night, Wyoming County International Speedway. Uh, Kirk Totten got the win in the SST Modifieds. Hey, Dave Krasik won again in the Super Stocks. Frank Parsons in the six cylinders and Maddie Verts in the four cylinders. Genesee Speedway. The updates have been fast and furious from Genesee this morning. Uh, JJ Mazer and Zach Carley took the uh, Twin Crate Late Model features. Kyle Inman in the Sportsman. Tommy Kemp in the 360 Late Models. Jesse Quartermouse in the Street Stocks. James Gayton in the Mini Stocks and Jessica Traxler getting the win in the Bandits. Lake Erie Speedway last night, they hosted the Race of Champions Modified Series, and uh, Matt Hirschman got the win over Tommy Catalano and uh, George the third in the 75-lap main event. Eric Brown got the win in an exciting Street Stock feature. that had some great battles for the lead and a little bit of contact up front. And Sean Nye won a great uh, TQ Midget feature. Uh, he and Dave Wallaber had a great uh, side-by-side battle there uh, last night, uh, the uh There at Lake Erie Speedway, Uh, Jake Albright got the win in the mini stocks, and it was uh, Mike Alcaro getting the win in the Legends last night. The Race of Champions Modified Series, they're headed to Jennerstown uh, near Pittsburgh uh, this coming Saturday for a 100-lap event. It's the first time that the Race of Champions Modifieds have ever been to the Jennerstown Speedway. Looking forward to that coming up this weekend. Also, Merrittville Speedway. Last night, uh, getting the win in the Modifieds with Scott Wood over Tim Jones and Chad Brockman. Jay Mallory got the win in the Sportsman. Ryan Dinning in the Hoosier Stocks. Jeff May getting the win in the Mod Lights. Greg Rauscher in the Novice Sportsman. And Alex Riley going back-to-back in the mini-stocks there at the Merrittville Speedway. Humberstone Speedway is an action night. Hopefully their luck can turn around. They've uh, been bitten by the weather bug like many racetracks have this season. Uh, last week, they got the first heat on the racetrack, and then it decided to pour. So hopefully uh, tonight looking real good, and uh, they can uh, get their show in tonight at the Humberstone Speedway. They've got a uh, full card of racing plus the mod lights and ATV side-by-side races. That should be an interesting little attraction there tonight at the Humberstone Speedway, 630 uh, over in Port Colborne, just over the border. Uh, we're hoping to squeeze in Matt Williamson, but he is en route to the Bradford Speedway down in Pennsylvania uh, for the BRP Mod Tour event. So, uh, Matt might be having some cell phone signal issues uh, getting down to Bradford uh, as a lot of some of the modified teams are headed there tonight uh, for the BRP race. I know uh, he's headed down. Eric Rudolph, uh, among others, will be in action tonight there at the Bradford Speedway. So, that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, as uh, going into Michigan and. Uh, next weekend for the Cup Series. Next Sunday will be Father's Day. So uh, we will be joining you next Sunday. Uh, while you're watching the race today, be sure to uh, you know, send us some tweets while you're watching the race at Fast Track 550 and to give us your thoughts as the race goes along today. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.